Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, beautiful people. I hope you are having a great start to your week. I hope that you have enjoyed the last two episodes, which were the first two chapters in my book, The Home Reader, A Paranormal Journey. As I said, I'm going to be getting all of these out within this week, simply because it's going to be really cool for people when they discover the podcast around Halloween to go back and listen and, you know, have some good conversation about it. Also, for people to be able to find us, it would mean a lot if you guys could subscribe to us on whatever platform you are listening to us. I say us, I mean me, myself, and I. Anyways, yes, rate and subscribe. YouTube really is the main platform. Wow, not YouTube, iTunes. Guys, it is 9.30 at night, but I'm really excited to just get all of these episodes out there. My throat's feeling good, so I thought it was time for another chapter, but I really want to hear what you guys think of the first two, so make sure to add me on Snapchat, which is Selena's Life, C-E-L-I-N-A-S. You can also find lots of info about the show on thehauntedestate.com. Soon we're going to be getting pretty active on Instagram, and uh, what's the other one? Yeah, just Instagram. We're already active on Facebook. I love hearing from you guys on Facebook or Snapchat. So, of course, like every episode, I want to tell you guys so much about Schneider's Fear Farm, which is fearfarm.ca. If you head over there, you can find tickets, you can find directions where to go. As I said, I work there. It is the best place in the entire world, and I really want to meet you guys. Um, If you do happen to see me in my other state, which... I turn into it's like when you feed a gremlin um i think it's like after midnight it's what i turn into so feed myself early and then i turn into elizabeth collins um i definitely stick in that character because that's who my actual other self is you know multi-personality what what's that <laughs> anyways i want to tell you there are six horrifying haunts you have carnival the hayride hillbilly hike condemned corn hiller house and the stocking dead as I said, Hiller House is the bomb. It really reminds me of American Horror Story, which also I've been so deep into watching Murder House, the first season. I watched half of it today. 
<clears throat> I did have a lot of things to do, but you know, life happens. <laughs> so yes, make sure you head over to fearfarm.ca. I really hope that you guys will come out for the opening weekend. Opening weekend is September 22nd, 2017. Literally, I, I have been out there. I was out ghouling around uh, with my fellow ghouls and spooks. And I was just blown away at how much work has been done. The amazing, crazy stuff that's going to be happening this season. I am just blown away. The owners are absolutely spectacular. They're the coolest people in the entire world. I get so giddy when I know I'm going to be going out there. <laughs> so anyways, yes, don't forget to head over to fearfarm.ca. There you will find lots of amazing info. So let's jump into our next chapter, which is the darkness. I met Pastor John in the fall of 2011. He had contacted me after reaching out to a parapsychology firm based out of Niagara Falls, New York. Three weeks before the phone call, he had been approached by two women on the search for answers. The two women in the story were sisters and were both enrolled at U of T. Both were in their second year. During the summer between their first year and second, they woke in the middle of the night to find their grandmother passed away on the couch with her knitting needles still in her hands. The two girls were originally from North Bay, Ontario. The grandmother was an exuberant, joyful lady. She became even more ecstatic when she found her precious granddaughters had gotten accepted to university. The grandmother quickly offered that they live with her as they did their schooling. The year went flawlessly, and the grandmother would pack their lunches as the girls would help with the upkeep around the house. To the girls' surprise, everything was left to them in the will. Their grandmother had always wanted her granddaughters to have the best of everything. The home was located in a prime area of Toronto and was worth more than the girls could have ever imagined. Their parents thought the best thing to do was to sell the oversized house and get an apartment. All of the money from the house would easily pay for their schooling, cars, and then some. The girls knew how much their grandmother loved the home and the circular garden she took such precious care of. They were opposed to selling. Their grandmother had put so much love into that garden. Twenty years ago, it started as a five-foot expanse, but now the entire rounded lawn was lush with flowers and plants of every colorful species you could imagine. There was only a two-foot brick path up the middle leading to a small circle where a lawn chair and table sat. The house was really dated and needed a lot of work, but the large square almost looked like something that would fit better into England than Toronto. The kitchen looked over the garden, where there was a bright green living room, complete with a glass table, unicorn knickknacks, and tacky fabric-bound chairs. The other side featured a small den, bathroom, and an oversized sitting room that looked over the gate and the busy street beyond it. Upstairs, all four bedrooms and bathroom were clad in the same floral wallpaper. The girls might not have been a fan of the decor, but to them, it was home. They say to this day that they have never felt as home as they did within those walls. Carrie was the older sister at the young age of 21. She was petite and stood at five foot. She had a quiet, kind demure, blonde hair and blue eyes. She was someone you would find extremely approachable. Her sister Christina, 20 years old, took more after her father. 
She was taller and darker in every way. Her hair was dark brown and hung halfway down her back, but her eyes were the brightest green I've ever seen. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. After, after their grandmother had passed, the girls drowned their sadness with partying. They were trying to feel the opposite of the deep loss. Almost every night, the home was full of drunk college students. Each had both started experimenting with drugs almost every night. The house was really starting to reflect the states of the girls' minds. The carpets were dirty. The garden had overgrown into disarray. Christina had grown tired of the partying. She knew how disappointed her grandmother would be if she were still alive. That afternoon, after the prior evening, all the guests had peeled themselves off the floor. She went into her sister's room. She had found Carrie asleep, completely covered by blankets. Carrie had always been one to sleep on top of the blankets, as anything made her uncomfortably hot, even clothing. She usually just walked around the halls of her house naked. Christina pulled down the blanket to find her sister with her eyes completely wide, naked and a bubbly rash all over her neck, arms, and inner thighs. Christina had screamed, but it wasn't until she shook her sister violently that life came back into Carrie's eyes. Christina started crying. She explained to her sister that she needed to smarten up, that things were getting too risky too fast. Carrie had sat up and quickly agreed that she, too, had grown tired of these endless, long nights. There were boys that had their way with them and a bottomless supplies of pills and alcohol. They knew that they were good girls, that they came from good people. Together, they wanted their lives to reflect the hard work that they had put into their lives up to this point. Over the next few days, the rash that covered Carrie's extremities had gotten larger as the day progressed. Christina grew worried, and the two sisters ventured to the emergency room. Sitting in the triage chair in front of the nurse, Carrie pulled up her sleeve and showed her arm. The skin was free, clear, and unblemished. Christina grabbed her other arm, tearing up the sleeve into fury. Nothing. The girls apologized and had no other choice but to leave the hospital shaking their heads. Carrie was just thankful that the rash was gone, and she cut it down to stress. The next day, the girls spent every hour of sunlight taming the garden and cleaning the house to make it look as if their grandmother was still there. Collapsing on the couch at the end of the day, the girls could barely remember the last few months of their hard lifestyle, as if tidying the house had wiped the slate clean. They felt the two they felt like the two shy, soft spoken women they were when they got there almost two years ago. Later, Carrie had agreed to take the last bag of garbage into the kitchen if Christina promised to get a movie started. When the last of the title sequence had played and Carrie still hadn't returned, Christina grew worried and called out to her. 
There was no response. Christina made her way to the kitchen slowly. She slipped her head around the corner and saw Carrie. She said her name again. No response. Carrie was standing in the middle of the kitchen, looking out the window that was swollen with the darkness outside, the garbage bag in her hand. Christina rushed over into her eye line and again called her name out loud. The memory of the other day still in her mind. It didn't break gaze, and more importantly, the slew of words that were being whispered from Carrie's lips made no sense. The words were barely loud enough to be heard, but Christina leaned in and strained her ears. The words coming from her mouth were not English, but they weren't nonsense. It sounded like some kind of primal language. Whatever it was, Christina had never heard it before. She reached out and grabbed her sister's wrist hard, watching her blonde hair swing, trying to break the trance she was in. The second she had touched Carrie, she snapped right out of the episode with an angry look on her face. Carrie quickly asked if the movie was on, and then walked and dropped the bag outside of the door beside the window. The window that she was staring out of in her creepy trance. The window that overlooked their grandmother's precious garden. Christina quickly explained everything she had just witnessed. Carrie had been standing like a zombie looking out the window and speaking in some kind of tongues. Carrie's only response was that her sister was lying and for her to not make jokes like that. Christina knew that Carrie had taken her grandmother's death a lot harder than her. Christina had an understanding with death. At a young age, she had lost a best friend in a motor vehicle accident, while Carrie had never lost anyone. When their 94-year-old grandmother had passed, she was sad despite knowing it was going to happen at some point. She might have been the younger sister, but hadn't come as a complete shock. Christina decided to just forget about it, but promised herself if anything else happened, she would call her mom. The next morning, Christina did her usual Sunday routine of showering, waking her sister up, and then heading downstairs to make coffee. She glanced up to see the sun coming into the window and then screamed as the hot cup full of coffee crashed into the sink. The backyard garden was destroyed. Every plant and bush was ripped from the earth and thrown about as if a tornado had passed through the backyard. Within seconds, Carrie was by her side, speechless. The backyard was surrounded by a ten-foot fence with a locked gate, so there was no way for a person or large animal to get inside. The girls ran outside. While walking through the yard, Christina stepped on something that crunched, and another. Lifting plants, she found two crushed birds. She called to Carrie to grab her garbage bag. The more flora she picked up, the more birds she found. She couldn't talk, and she didn't understand. She wasn't sure what upset her more, the fact that the garden her grandmother had tended to with so much love had been destroyed, or that maybe her sister was losing her mind, that she could have done this. Maybe she had something to do with this. All she wanted right now was to clean this all up and try to forget. She kept finding more birds. It wasn't as if the birds had been crushed by the wreckage. It was as if they were sleeping. In total, when they finished, they had 13 dead birds and seven garbage bags of wilted plants. 
Carrie had suggested making a police report, but Christina knew in a city like Toronto, a ravaged or possibly vandalized garden wouldn't be too high on the list of priorities. Pick your battles. Later that evening, Christina had finally placed a call to her mother. She told her about the rash, Carrie acting strange, about the events that had unfolded. Her mother assured her that the girls were under a lot of stress and that she would talk to Carrie. As to the garden, their mother mounted it to some neighborhood kids who probably trampled the sleeping birds on their way out. This didn't make Christina feel any better. Since the day she found Carrie with the disappearing rash, she knew that there was more to this than what met the eye. She had never been a fan of the paranormal, but had seen her share of scary movies to see how her life was starting to resemble one. After Carrie had spent an hour on the phone with her mother, the girls settled into the couch with some Doritos. A Sunday night cartoon line was added to the shimmering kitchen chandelier, which emitted a heavenly warm glow. The kitchen went dark. The light switch clicked away the glow, and they were plunged into darkness. Carrie quickly paused the DVR, and the both girls sat outlined only by the light of the TV screen. They both stared into the dark room when the sound of a million plates breaking erupted from the kitchen. It abruptly stopped as the light switched back on. By this point, both girls were on their feet, Christina screaming and Carrie pulling at her cheeks in horror. Entering the kitchen, the girls found every cabinet was open and every dish was smashed on the floor. Even their dining room table was flipped upside down. The girls fled. They went to a motel a few blocks away and called their parents. Their mother answered in an angry tone. It was obvious they had enough problems at home. Christina explained what happened, but her mother only laughed. Their mother assured her that there had to be some kind of logical explanation and that she would be there the next day to investigate their claims. She told Christina to go online and see if there had been a small earthquake. Christina hung up the phone, knowing her mother wouldn't be a flicker of hope. She needed to take things in her own hands. Their mother made the trip from North Bay and met the girls at the house around 11 a.m. She sloshed through the glass in the kitchen in her four-inch heels and looked at the girls. Are you sure you didn't just have a party and want me to pay for new dishes because some asshole got rowdy? She accused. Christina could barely believe what came out of her mother's mouth. The mother had been less lovable since she found out that everything was left to the girls and not her. She had racked up some pretty hefty debt from gambling over the past few years. To say she was excited to pay off that debt after selling the house was an understatement. When she found out her adult daughters got the inheritance, her plans had been squandered quickly. She continued to laugh, but this time with hesitation. If you didn't do this, then I suggest you get a priest. Or did you play with a Ouija board or something? The nerves were gone, and it was apparent that she found her joke to be far more clever than it actually was. I don't know what to tell you, she continued. As long as you haven't been hurt, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Sometimes you just need to ignore this kind of stuff and it'll go away. With that, her mom was back on the road and the girls were in the kitchen filling old boxes with mountains of glass. Christina and Carrie were both appalled that their mother didn't have more to say about the situation. They were overcome with anger that she simply did not care. Carrie and Christina shared a look of disappointment. How could something as petty as an inheritance warrant such apathy? That Tuesday, Christina found her way into the pastor's office. 
She marched in with determination, showing him pictures on her phone of the plants, birds, Carrie's rash, and the kitchen before even saying hello. The pastor himself had had thirty had a thirty four year old daughter, so he felt so much sympathy for the girls. He promised to be by that evening to bless the house. He himself wasn't sure what he believed in. During his decades with the church, he had seen so many strange and miraculous things, but he also knew that sometimes a simple blessing could settle whatever energy might linger, or whatever mind might be haunted. The evening approached much much faster than the pastor expected. It was already 8 p.m. when he made his way up the five cement stairs to the address Christina had left behind. As he reached for the bell, Christina opened the door, with Carrie cowering behind her. She thanked him for showing up, and both girls moved out of the doorway. The pastor could feel her, fear, feel fear emanating off the girls. He questioned himself for a moment on what he might be getting into. From first glance, the home seemed clean, well-kept, and large. He had explained to the doorway that he would go from room to room and bless each area individually. Instead of, stay, instead of starting with the main floor, he headed for the stairs, working from top to bottom. He moved from the bathroom to Christina's room, then to the spare room, then to Carrie's room. He took note as he entered that the room was at least 10 degrees warmer. The room looked clean and tidy in every way, but it had a slight undertone of a rancid garbage smell. The pastor opened his book and raised his right hand, which held a cross. As soon as he did so, it seemed to have gone soaring underneath the bed. His hand bounced back into his body like a sandbag. He didn't say a word. He left the cross and walked down the narrow hall to the top of the stairs. He found Carrie was directly at the bottom, looking up at him. He described what had just unfolded as the redness went from his cheeks to his neck. He reached the bottom of the steps, but Carrie didn't move. He realized that she was still looking at the top of the stairs and was never looking directly at him at all. Christina rounded the corner and surveyed the situation. She reached out and took her sister's hand. Carrie instantly burst back into reality. She gulped for air as if she had been fetched from a near drowning. The pastor reached and asked if she was okay. Carrie replied she had only sneezed. At this moment, Christina and the pastor's eyes met with understanding. The pastor asked the girls to meet him in the living room. They all took opposite seats from each other at the glass table. Carrie finally sat back into a regular breathing pattern. The pastor started to explain that not all scary stories we hear are just make-believe. Sometimes, in very rare situations, there can be something out of their control that could invade regular people. Carrie just stared at the table while Christina asked what they do next in a small, broken voice. The pastor told her that he had enough reason to believe that the girls were experiencing would only evolve and get worse. He promised to come up with a plan and call the girls within the next few days. He left them with a Bible and his phone number. When he got up to leave, Carrie was still sitting in a daze. Christina rose to walk him out. 
When Christine and the pastor reached the front porch, he took the opportunity to explain that he thought whatever was going on in the home seemed directly linked to the sister Carrie. Christina shook her head, a pang of denial resonated within her. The next day was when I got the call. The pastor had used his connections to find me. He didn't want a psychic. He needed two very different and specific types of people. First, he chose me, and secondly, he called upon a man from upstate New York who had an extensive education when it came to parapsychology and demonology. When I first received his call, I was impressed that he was briefed not to give me any details. I asked not to be told the details, as I never want my subconscious to have any ideas when I enter a case. He only explained to me that this case entailed two young women, one single detached home, and that he was a pastor. And I'd be working with another person from the paranormal field. He quickly asked how soon I could come. I assured him I would be there the day after next. When I reached the house, I was greeted at the front gate by the pastor. He shook my hand and thanked me for coming on such short notice. Then he commented that he was very surprised that I was so young. We turned to the house and I felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned back to the pastor to see him frowning. Put on a good front when you go in there, he warned. At that morning, at that moment, I felt nervous. I usually get some kind of feeling before I walk into a place, but this place just felt like a normal family home. I quickly met Christina, shook her hand, and thanked her for inviting me into her home. With my index cards in hand, I made my way to the family room where I saw a couple of armchairs, a couch, and a large flat screen TV. I took a seat on the couch, setting my eyes on the clock that hung upon the doorway on the yellow walls. As my eyes adjusted, I could feel the familiar feeling of pins and needles that so often accompanied me when I made connections. I could feel a mature female energy, could see an outline of a short, squat woman, she emanated only a loving energy next to the kitchen. Here I picked up a strong smell of ozone and panic settled in my chest. As I walked on the floor, I heard the sound of someone shuffling through glass. But as I looked down, I saw nothing. The light in the kitchen dissipated into night and I heard the muffled sound of a yell. I turned back towards the family room that I had just come from. The room, that was just free and clear, was now filled with a frightening negative energy. Dark and gray and black, a black fog was curling its way along the roof from the family room. I squinted my eyes as the gray was taking over my vision. I couldn't see the family room now at all. I was blinded by the dark fog. I felt along the walls till I found a door. I turned back to look at the room, coughing. I saw where the darkness was pouring from. Over by one armchair was a very dark black mass. All around it, the blackness erupted and oozed like an obsidian waterfall. A buzzing overtook my senses. My breathing tightened and suddenly my, my ears were full of the sound of a thousand swarming black flies. I pressed the, the palms of my hands into my eyes as hard as I could, trying to snap out of it. I sensed and I could lift my head, and I slowly pulled my hands away from my face. The sweat dripped from my forehead onto my cheeks. 
My vision suddenly faded instead of an empty space where the darkness had come from. A tiny, young, blonde woman stood. The occupancy of the room had grown to five people, as I spotted Christina, the pastor, the blonde girl, and a dark Romanian-looking man. No one said anything. They just all blankly stared at me. Who are you? I said, pointing to the blonde girl, but trying to ask the question in a friendly way. She promptly introduced herself as Carrie, and that she was Christina's sister, who also lived in the home. I walked to her, feeling razor-bladed butterflies in my stomach. I reached out to shake her hand. As soon as we were about to connect, a long bang had rung out from upstairs. I quickly looked to the pastor, who nodded as if he knew this was about to happen. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I grabbed her hand and instantly my vision was gone again. Black. Instead of getting a sense of how she was feeling or who she was, I only felt the rendering of a soul. I had only ever once encountered this before. This is a woman who has already been through the manifestation and infestation and oppression stages of demonic possession. I absolutely hate saying that, as it's something I wish I only ever knew of that was in movies, and I have to be honest, I feel tacky talking about. I can only have my abilities completely shut down when reading a person if the energy has been corrupted by something truly dark. Clarity struck me as I walked around Christina, there was anxiety, but no darkness like in Carrie's grip. Now, out of my vision, I approached the pastor and the Romanian man, who had introduced himself as a colleague. I quickly asked if I could speak to them both outside. The men nodded and nodded their heads as I told them my findings. They agreed with my observations. The Romanian man's name was Costal, and he was well-respected. Although he was not approved to do exorcisms or any of the type, he was highly trained and had assisted in nearly 45 cases. I was blown away. They told me that they needed three people to confirm their theory to move forward. Within a moment, we were back in the family room sitting with the girls. We shared our findings and Costell explained that he thought what he thought needed to be done. I kept my eyes trained on Carrie as the pastor asked the girls why he would think this might have started and why Carrie would be a target. Christina explained how their grandmother had passed and how they had been using drugs and drinking excessively. Don't get me wrong, drugs and alcohol are not a gateway to the paranormal, but when you use it for certain reasons, it can open up an unwanted can of worms. Carrie started breathing heavily as if she was having a panic attack. 
Then she got up again, trying to catch her breath. We all ran to her as she collapsed on the floor. As Christina rolled her body to face up, Carrie started laughing hysterically in a weird tone that didn't match her sweet face. Costal picked up and picked her up, and with the help of the pastor, they carried her to the spare bedroom upstairs. That is when I noticed Christina hadn't gotten off the floor. I knelt beside her and moved her hair, inching closer to comfort her. I just thought things like this couldn't happen, she whispered as I held her in my arms. I don't want to lose her, she said quietly. I asked her if there was anything Carrie hadn't told us. I knew that falling into a depression and leaning on substance abuse was enough to draw that kind of negative energy, but I also knew that this energy had moved extremely quickly. Christina walked to the window. I promised her I'd never tell, she mumbled. I explained that what she isn't telling me might be what saves her. Then came the truth. She sat in the closest red armchair and laid out the facts. A month after their grandmother had passed, they had met two drifters at a local bar that the university kids hung out at. They were handsome. They had alluring, mysterious foreign accents. The boys had paid attention to the two girls all night and kept the drinks coming. Carrie suggested, after last call was announced, that they should all head back to their house for more drinks. Carrie had always loved mysterious men, but Christina had already been, always been drawn to the football type. Nonetheless, Christina agreed. Once 4 a.m. rolled by, she could barely keep her eyes open and went off to bed. After Carrie had told her that they were going to watch a movie. The next morning, Christina found Carrie in only a bra laying on the kitchen floor. Green welts covered her legs and arms. Christina rushed to her side, finding Carrie was awake, staring at the ceiling. Christina frantically rushed for the phone. Carrie swayed behind her, standing up and smashed the phone into the wall. Carrie claimed that the boys and her had hooked up. Even though it was a little rough, everything was fine. Christina knew better. Carrie was actually quite the prude. Her sister took off and had a shower and acted as if nothing had ever happened. Every time Christina brought it up, Carrie would snap at her and threaten to leave. After that night, Carrie had started to use drugs excessively and get blackout drunk. It wasn't long after that everything started to happen. I knew that those men had invaded her body and soul. That was enough to tear someone apart, to reach a devastating level of despair. I thanked Christina and assured her that Carrie would not find out that she had shared this sensitive information. I passed on what I had learned of the pastor and Costal. The four of us sat around Christina as Costal explained to Carrie what was going to take place that evening. If they didn't take action tonight, things would get a lot worse. I had never seen an exorcism conducted, but definitely didn't follow the exact guidelines of those you see in the movies. Costal sat two armchairs across from one of another in the spare bedroom. Carrie sat in one, with only her ankles tied to the feet of the chair. In front of her sat Costal. And to her left stood the pastor, I was on her right, with Christina who stood behind her, bracing on Carrie's shoulders. Costal had turned out the light. He lit nine candles, some incense, and played a track from a burned disc he had bought. 
Calming nature sounds filled the room. Carrie's face kept changing expressions and colors as we moved forward. It had been an hour since we told her our plan, and her crying had not stopped. Our chants intensified, intensified, repeating what Costal had asked us. Her crying became louder and hysterical. Deep in the chants, Carrie became silent. I could feel it, she gasped. Her small blue fingers circled tightly around the arms of the chairs. A bubbling sound erupted from her mouth, followed by a weird giggle. The laughter sounded of three different voices. One of a man, one of a child, one of an older lady. Christina lifted her hands from Carrie's shoulders, shocked. Costal yelled for her not to break the bond. I grabbed her arm and pulled her close again. After an hour, Costal stretched his neck. Christina then randomly started to press down hard on her sister's shoulder and just started to yell, yelling that she needed her, yelling that she wasn't going to let her go, yelling that she was sorry, yelling that whatever was happening wasn't going to win. Costal and the pastor started praying. The room got hot and then nauseatingly cold. Carrie went limp. Costal checked Carrie's pulse. It was regular. The blue hint to her skin was dissipating, and somehow her feet were untied. Costal carried her to her room and laid her on the bed. He hooked up the heart monitor he had brought. He walked to the group of us three waiting in the hall and shut the door behind him. The rest of us sat up the remainder of the night. We talked preventative measures and traded stories. At 6.30 a.m., we heard a shower turn on upstairs, and Christina burst into tears at the sound. She had shared that her sister hadn't showered in nearly a week before we came. We told her again that this was a sign of something not good. By 7 a.m., Carrie stepped into the kitchen. I had not met this person before. Her skin was alive. Her eyes had sparkles. She stood in the doorway with no words in her mouth. I walked to her. Instead of taking her hand, I held her. I didn't feel any darkness at all. She gingerly sat at the table, holding her sister's hand. She thanked us all. Gratitude emanated from her smile. It's been five years since that night. The pastor has retired, perhaps not long after this event. Costal now works in the church. Carrie is married with a beautiful daughter of her own, and Christina followed her best friend and fiancé to Texas. The darkness we conquered never returned. So everyone, that was the darkness chapter. It was one where I really wasn't sure if I was comfortable putting it in the book and sharing it, as it does talk about some very... uh, I try to keep like the religion side of things out because I I don't know if I think I have it in this book. I don't know what I believe in. You know, after everything that I've seen, I have seen like the love of somebody change things as much as, you know, a verse from the Bible. Uh, I don't go to church. I don't pray. I respect everybody's beliefs. I think it's really important to have something to believe in, no matter what that is. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed that chapter of the book. If you do have any questions, topics that you want me to talk on that are inspired from this, please let me know. 
Find me on Snapchat, Facebook. Contact me at selena at thehauntedestate.com or on Facebook. But if you do head over to the website, thehauntedestate.com, up in that corner there, you can send me a direct email. And don't forget, you can also call in with questions. That number is one 260 Thanks for stopping by, guys. Have a great night. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.